This podcast is Entel Enhanced. To see pictures, articles and links of what's being discussed, download the Entel app. Hello, welcome to the Big Scuba Show. Hello. Hello. Good morning. How are you? How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, really well, thanks. You're all All good. Do you want to see the view from my office window today? Yes. Welcome to Shetland, guys. Oh, wow. Wow, lovely sunny day. It's beautiful. That looks good. Yeah, happily to happy to talk about Shetland diving. It's some of the best I've ever done. This is the first opportunity I've managed to actually get up here and do it. Um, you do get weather up here, so if you get blown out for a day, you you, you just you know go exploring. Yeah. Or curl up in your bunk and read a book, or you know it's one of those things because we we are so exposed up here. Yeah. Um, the history up here is incredible. The the landscapes. I'm alive. I went puffin spotting yesterday. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is really cool. They're very, very, you know. They're cute, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we saw one underwater on sun- last Sunday. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Looks just like a penguin. Yeah, but like this big. Yeah, tiny. Yeah, yeah. but so fast. You I'm kept pointing at me going, look behind you. It's behind you. <laughs> yeah. And you, you probably were dived on by, um, not formers, um, you were you did you would have had seabirds coming in and darting around you on six meters, I think, would you? Well, we didn't. No, that was the first bird that we saw. It was mostly seals, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Because when Sally and I, Sally Cartwright and I, was up there diving, um, and we were we were doing deco, and I kept going, "Look, look behind you!" And this bird was coming in behind our head and going off again. And wow. of course, you look round, and there may be a feather or possibly a couple of bubbles. I'm like, you know, nothing. And she thought yeah. I was running up and I was going, no, really, seriously. It's, it's coming in every, you know. I was doing that with seals with Ian. <laughs> Look, it's behind you. And he's like, dude. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> but yeah, it was my, well, my first time diving there and obviously diving with seals. So it was great. They're very friendly. But we, we went past somewhere yesterday with the beach and you can't go really down to the beach. Um, but you could see all the seals on the beach, you know, big fat torpedo things. Mm. Um, yeah. And you could see the little pups. But, you know, as soon as they get in the water, they, they're ballerinas. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Playful yeah. pups that spin and twirl. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how quick and graceful they are underwater. And, yeah. Come across a couple of them asleep, didn't we, in mm. the help? Yeah. yeah. That's bizarre. Yeah. yeah. Just being dozy asleep and you know, yeah. sort of they can't be in the kelp, aren't they? Just... Yeah, yeah. You just sort of watch from afar and uh, you know, don't disturb them and uh, you know, and then you'll see another one and it go, as you say, go up like a torpedo, and I was like, Whoa, speed us going. Yeah. So, so what what are the questions you've got? Well, first one we've got um what's the best method um of equalizing, or what do you recommend? So that was, and then marine life to touch or not to touch. What are your thoughts? Uh, what's the most interesting thing you found underwater and why? BCD or wing setup, pros and cons of both. Fins, don't know whether to try split fins. Um, some camera questions uh, about old dive kit and about facial hair and a mask. <laughs> right, okay. So what's the first one? What method of equalizing do you recommend? Right, okay. So when it comes to equalization, the key, the key rules really are early and often. And 
you need to start exercising your ears um, and you just do it very gently. Most people use a Valsalva where they hold their nose and they blow into it. But as with everything in life, you don't force things. It's all very, very gentle. And so if you're, you're getting into diving and you're trying to exercise your ears and you know, you're coming down a line or something, something as simple as breath, ears, breath, ears, breath, ears, and you just gently, 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 gently. If you have to force it and you've got pain, that's wrong and you need to come up. And you, you know, that I use that for come up a bit, which is go up with a hand over the top. And it means come up a little, come up a bit, yeah, rather yeah. than come up to surface, come up a bit. Yeah. Um, and, and just very gently like that. Some people swallow. Um, which works very well. Um, some people will rub from a eustachian tube down to their ear and they'll rub and, e and exercise that area a little mm -hmm. bit and, and get that quite flexible. But um, Jen, from the ear down to here, yeah. can you feel? You can okay. kind of feel a kind of hardness. I sometimes rub my ears. Yeah. You yeah. can sometimes yeah. hold the lobe of your ear yeah. and pull backwards, pull back and down. But again, okay. it's all very, very gentle. Sometimes I'll like do a swallow. Yep. Swallowing yeah, works that. as well. Yeah. You yeah. can do something with the back of your throat as well, can't you? I think. I've not done anything with the back of my throat. Yeah. I, I tend to just go like that every so often and just. But yeah. It's gentle. It's always yeah. gentle. You shouldn't be holding your nose and blowing really hard into it because it's not good and it's not good for your ears and it's not potentially good for your heart. Because um, we, we've all, one in four of us has got a hole in the heart and it's nothing sinister. It's for when we were being formed as, as fetuses, as babies in the mother's womb. And so the oxygenated blood was going around the heart and then it was coming from and through the um, umbilical. Mm -hmm. And after you're born, then you start including the loop going to the lungs to oxygenate, deoxygenate. And a flap seals over in your heart. And if you valsalva too hard, it's potential that you can cause a shunt and you can cause this flap to open and then the gas to go across. Yeah. yeah. So what so, do you use? Um, I use valsalva, but I'm gentle with it. Mm. And it's breath, ears, breath, ears, breath, ears, breath, ears. Yeah. And you, you should not ever, ever, ever force your ears. No. So just come up a bit. If they're not clearing, come up a bit. Be gentle, be gentle. Have another go. Yeah. Um, there is um, a device by Ottovert, which is a medical device. Um, I'm just trying to think what its name is. Let me look it up. Yeah. Otto, sorry, it's Ottovent. And it's uh, called a nose balloon. And um, basically you, you hold it to your nose and you blow gently into it. And that's a very good way of exercising your ears very, very gently and getting used to the idea of clearing your ears. So you do that when you're not obviously diving? No, not when you're, no, no, on the surface. Hmm. So if you're preparing to fly or something and you've got, you've got potentially, your ears don't particularly clear that well, you've got sticky ears. And if you just um, use that, and it's a it's a, a small plastic thing with a balloon, and you you literally inflate the balloon using your nose, just by kind of blowing, yeah, very gently down your ears, and it's it is 
the crucial thing with ears is gentle, gentle, kind, mm. and it will exercise your eardrums. Yeah, because with both, I think our last trip to Stony, I, I got, yeah, I could feel the pain and then had to go back up a bit. That was the first time I've had that situation. But we were saying, do your ears get more used to, like after six dives, we didn't really have any ear issues, did we? No. They're, they're more exercised. You're, you're more used to clearing them. Mm. You're, you're, behave, you know, you're clearing them early and often. Um, also, you want to avoid things like dairy sometimes because that can be snot-inducing. That can be um, mucus-inducing. Yeah. Really? What, dairy products? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Because yeah. obviously we, people do take Sudafed, like decongestants, don't they, before diving? Yeah, that's right. So not exactly an advocate for that because mm. the thing with drugs is that they can wear off mm. and you can end up with reverse ear. And I've had reverse ear and it's where my ears will not clear coming up. And you can end up with... Um, dizziness extreme dizziness mm. you can end up not knowing which way's up because you lose you lose your orientation um and um it's really painful to come up and you can only you you end up staying down and i've ended up with reverse ear and mm. I, I it's not funny no. so how did you do this you came up come back down come up a bit more you basically bounce up and down. down for a bit um and hope and i hope it clears Mm. Um, uh, if you get disorientated, if the water's still, watch your bubbles. Mm. Which way are your bubbles going and follow your bubbles because they will be going up. If mm. you've got a howling gale, of course, your bubbles are going to be going sideways or any other, but not up. But if it's quiet water and you're, you're losing your orientation, follow your bubbles up mm. if you haven't got a line to follow or if you haven't got a cliff face to follow. Yeah. If you've got no fixed reference, then following your bubbles up to the to the surface is a is a sensible way of doing it. Yeah, I have heard people say that they won't dive because their ears they've had problems with their ears and that they say that that prevents them diving. Yep, that's quite quite normal and and possible. Mm. So just be gentle with your ears, and when at the end of a dives. Rinse them out with fresh water. If you're on a liverboard or something, rinse them out with fresh water because what you don't want to do is pick up ear infections. Yeah. And ear infections hurt. And I've come home broken from out of Florida. I was diving, I was diving Key West and I had a fantastic time, but I picked up an ear infection. Um, and I came out of Heathrow all like this and was like, take me to the doctor for antibiotics now. Um, so um, just rinse out your ears, look after your ears, baby your ears, dry your ears, be kind to your ears. That's what we were doing in Egypt. Clear, rinsing out your ears after every dive. Yeah. yeah. It's a big choose your water. Choose your water correctly and dry your ears very gently. Yeah, we didn't actually do that, did we? Last week. What's that? Wash our ears out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, and that will help with ear infections, preventing ear infections, so it keeps you diving longer. Yeah. Oh, well, good answer. Yeah. Awesome. Next one. Uh, marine life, to touch or not to touch? As much as possible, don't touch. Yeah. No, no touch. It's a bit of a funny thing, isn't it? Because, you know, you go to places, we, you know, we talked about the Fine Islands, you know, and that interaction that we all love with seals. Um, 
But when it comes to, and we've had Christina on, you know, Sonato, who's spent her life understanding the reef sharks. And yeah. you know, she has that real close bond with her sharks that, you know, uh, using her words, you know, she refers to them as her sharks that she yeah. spent her life with. Um, and she obviously t- touched, you know, she Well, yes, but she's removing part. things like fish hooks from them and she's no, had a long relationship. Yeah. She's in water every single day with them. But um, there's other people, and I'm not going to mention names, who have made their name from interaction with big, great, big, great whites. And hanging other, on to them as well, isn't it? And, and, and yeah, and being towed along by great, uh, giant uh, mantis, manta rays and things like that. And um, That's wrong. It, yeah, I agree. And it's that kind of... But marine life is everything from little nudibranchs. Yeah. To to great whites, it's everything in between. So you will have been in the farms. You may have well have had fantastic seal interaction. So you don't go and swim up to the seal and go there, there, there no. on the head. But you may well. I've had seals mouth my hands, and they'll come up and mouth my hands. Yeah. Um, and they'll bite my fins. Um, and um, sometimes if your hands are like that and they start mouthing or something, or they you, you will end up like puppies, aren't they? You know, they are like puppies. And if they're interacting with you, potentially you can actually end up stroking or tickling them a little. Yeah. But if they don't like it, they they are really quickly, they're gone. Um, and if they do like it, they'll be like, yeah, please give me a rub just here. But it's it's if it's wildlife coming up to you, not you going up to wildlife. So we've seen, I've seen a dive guide riding a turtle, which is completely wrong. You don't harass turtles. You don't ride turtles. Um, generally, just look. It's an awful lot of look and no touching, really. Yeah. And if the wildlife comes up and plays with you, that's where you get the. But you don't chase it. It's changing the their behaviours. What what we can't do. Mm. You know, it's like it's like um, I think so. I was reading something about like sharks. You know, changing their behaviour where. If they were only, if the only reason they turn up is that they know that they're going to get fed, yep. it's changing their behaviour from actually going out to hunt to feed to only coming to interact with humans because they know they're going to get fed. Yeah. It, it's changing, but they'll do it one too many times and somebody will hurt them, you know, or catch them. You know, it's... it's that's what we can't do is, is do is what we shouldn't be doing. And I suppose that's, we're going on to chumming and things like that, I suppose, is where, um, you know, for tourism, they do those sort of things. But don't forget, we dive in the UK quite a lot. Mm. And so we've got, and we've got basking sharks and we've got seals. Mm. Um, we had ling up there. Oh, the other thing is, um, you, Think about how you're playing with your torches as well and your lights. Um, so, for instance, if you're in Egypt at night, you've got crinoids. They look like feathers. You see them on the reefs. You know, you, if you go to a wedding and you've got a fancier fascinator in your head. Right. Yeah, in Western all the time. Yes, exactly. Every Saturday night. Yeah. Well, you get them on the reefs. That's what they make me think of, these, these fascinators for weddings. Uh, and they're, they're feathery. Um, well, if you shine your torch directly at them, all they do is they curl up and they go to sleep. Really? But if you shine your torch around them, you can see the crinoid and it, it doesn't 
get upset. He doesn't fold up and go to sleep. Okay. So you get to see that. So you've got to think about how how you react with things like, you know, what are your fins doing? Are you kicking up the silt and, mm. you know, silting out stuff? Yeah. Um, where are you pointing your torch? Are you snagging your gear on anything? Yeah. yeah. There's a lot more to interaction with marine life than, you know, poking it. And interaction with torches is a whole different issue as well. I'm always blinded by people with torches. Yeah, it's uh, it's very easy to blind someone with a torch. I, I did it last week on a couple of occasions. You blinded yourself Ian, the other day. When? You were looking at your torch in your bag. You oh, know. well, that's by accident. That's because I, I wasn't diving. I was getting ready oh, no. to go But Polly came around the other day, you know, with... Uh, didn't she we, we were in the water and we can't she was they were ahead of us and she's pointed with a torch to say there's a seal and her torch was directly eyes <laughs> oh, so i was like okay i now can't see looked at you and how have you done the same <laughs> that's like great i've now been blinded by two divers <laughs> it's generally accidental but yes you really <laughs> <laughs> so, so yes i mean you can have fabulous interaction with marine life without having to to um do anything with it people like christina are different and exceptional they're in the water yeah. every day working with those sharks she routinely and i don't know how she does it she's routinely removing fish hooks from their mouths yeah. um you do i've seen it where i've seen fish with fish, fish hooks and fish line in there and i've actually tried to catch the fish to remove a fish line and the fish hook um you do get whales and things caught up with plastics and yes by all means intervention there where you can cut but don't first rule of thing is don't damage yourself don't put yourself in danger yeah. don't put your team in danger whilst you're doing this yeah yeah no that's good a good answer good. just yeah. everybody needs to be wary and appreciate what we've got under the water yeah so yeah it's um, what's the most interesting thing you have found underwater? And what was it? Oh. Found a human skull? Really? Yeah, diving off the manacles. Um, this was years ago. So this was an this was a um a big wreck, big lots of fatalities. Um it's out on the east coast of Cornwall. And I'll look her up. Was it called? She was, it was a McEacon. And there's a memorial somewhere in Cornwall to the people who came off the off the Mohican. Uh, is it Mohican the uh native Indian, isn't it? Mohican? No. I don't think right. She, she was a steamship. She was a steamer. She sank off the Lizard Peninsula, a second voyage. So she was pretty brown spangly new. Mm -hmm. On the 14th of October, 1898, a loss of 106 out of 197 online. Wow. Um, and we dived the area um, after there'd been quite a storm and it had stirred up the seabed and it's quite sandy down there. And uh, the guy I was diving with and, uh, and I, we mooched around the corner and we found this skull, just the, the top half sitting on the seabed when we came around the corner. Now, he was a local and he was well aware of the wreck's history um, and what had happened and loss of life. And I was a brand new diver and didn't know very much at all. And we got out wet notes and we 
kind of scribble messages to each other. And he said, we leave it here because it's a site where we know so many souls were lost. Mm. So we dug a big hole and very carefully put it in and then covered it over again. Because he said, if we bring it up, what will happen is we need to tell the courts, we need to tell the police, we need to tell the coroners. We're going to um, tie up a lot of official time. And we bought it up from a site where it's known that there was a massive loss of life. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's what we did. Yeah. Um, that's a respectful thing to do if it's a known grave as well, isn't it? A marine grave. Yeah. It's a, it's a known fatality site. Mm. And I've dived an awful lot of wreck dives and that's the only human remains I've really ever seen. Mm. Um, and that was because it had been such a dynamic storm. Yeah. yeah. So you, you, you again, not exactly look, no touch, but it was, okay, it's there. Yeah. What do we do with it? Right, we'll dig a big hole and we'll pop it in and cover it back over. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Our most southerly point as well, isn't it? The lizard? Getting on for yeah right next question uh bcd or wing setup what are the pros and cons of both and why would is there any reason why you choose one over the other for a certain dive right it's these are two different pieces of buoyancy control um depends on what kind of diving you want to do do you want to be getting in the water once a year for about a week and having a bimble round, going away on holiday, blue water diving, something quite gentle. BCD is perfectly good. I learned to dive in a BCD. Mm. Um, there are two schools of thought of how you can be taught to dive. Some advocate straight away a BCD, some advocate a wing and a back plate and a harness. Um, I tend to advocate BCD and then going into wing if you want, because you might not decide that you want to do this style of diving. Um, I had an interesting dive my last dive. I was diving twin 12s. I'm up in Shetland at the moment. Um, and my my dive, I was, I was doing using a soft back plate. Uh, I've been diving dive right for years because they're bomb proof. They last for flipping ever. Um, they're very well made, very well designed. And the, the Noah nuts had basically come through, it had torn through. And so my, my, BC, my, my um, cylinders were kind of floating above mm. my harness. It was coming apart underwater. Um, and it felt really weird. It was rocking and, and floating and stuff. So I had a conversation with my buddy going, yeah, my, my twin set's falling to bits. Nothing to worry about let's be very gentle underwater and we'll be fine. And, but, you know, let's bring it up and I'll, you know, let's get the dive finished. Um, and I, I, I brought my, myself up to shallow and then, and then surfaced and then stayed flat on the surface, let the boat know that I was okay, but I had a slight problem and swam out and they picked me up and we got me back on board. Then we got two enormous great big washers and unbolted and rebolted my twin set together and it's absolutely fine works brilliant um so i like diving a harness and i don't like diving um a wing but there's nothing wrong with diving a bcd and being a single set diver and it's a neat way of stashing kit you can you've got pockets and things yeah and you're learning 
or you're new at the sport. So let's make it easy on you. You know, but some of our BCDs are absolutely fantastic. Um, and we've got female cut BCDs. Some ladies are very generously proportioned um, and they need um, specially cut BCDs, short backs, high cut over the hips, um, the way the straps are cut at the front to accommodate their full figures. Um, so try both if you're able to. Yeah, especially if you can, if you know someone who's got a, a wing, you know, it's a good way of asking see if you can borrow theirs to see if you see if you like it. I suppose. Yeah, and I've got a BCD and I've got a backplate and wing and harness, so I've got I've got everything. And depending on what I'm doing, I will choose what I'm going to dive with. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We spoke to somebody in Canada the other day, and um, they're an instructor, but they start all their students off on a wing, don't they? Yeah. And yeah. a lot of that is their choice. And there are instructors doing it. You go and you get trained with GUE. Um, the training is longer and it is more expensive. You tend to come out of it a pretty proficient diver. Yeah. I said to him about um, what's your thoughts on, you know, when you start, when you because a lot of people don't like a wing because of that feeling of being pushed over. And he said, well, he said, yeah, I get that. He said, but a lot of that is because they're put, pumping too much air into the wing and not... It's also where the wing is attached on the cylinder as well. Mm. Yeah. Where you can band it onto the cylinder. Because so if it's can... in the wrong place, it can push you, tip you forward. Yeah. So he said, you know, that and also letting a little bit of air out won't yeah. push you so far forward. Mm. But it's also important to find the right BCD you know, that fits properly, isn't it? Because we, we swapped around BCDs on one of the dives, didn't we? And yeah. my buoyancy changed because I was in a BCD I wasn't used to. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just getting comfy with what you know. As well, I think. Fit and comfy, comfort. And if you go with an instructor that chooses to dive, teach in a BCD or they teach, decide to teach with a back plate and harness, that's their personal choice and that's what you're you're signing up for and there's nothing wrong about what they are deciding to do yeah yeah i don't think agencies actually stipulate one or the other do they do do they do that or i don't know well um gue will go down the route of a backplate and harness mm. um i don't know about raid I think the recreational agencies will will tend to say um, a BCD, but it may be that they just say a buoyancy uh, a BC. Yeah, and it could be it a covers way. everything, yeah. but provided it's well maintained, in service, works, fits, comfy, that's what you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was good good answer. So people can either progress or try it and see how they get on, can't they? Yeah, we have demo days. I hope the demo days come back. But we have demo days in the UK. And it's your opportunity to get in a quarry and go and play with kit and try it out in anger. Um, I don't suggest that you don yourself liberally from head to foot in brand new kit of absolutely everything, but it gives you the chance to try out a yeah. different set of fins, a different BC, a different mask, a different regulator. Um, and it gives you the opportunity to do a test dive before you before you buy. 
And those are a fantastic way of, of trying stuff out and going, you know what, that doesn't fit me, that doesn't suit me, don't like it, this is uncomfy. Yeah, I really like this. Yeah, it's a good and way for manufacturers getting feedback on their like new products as well, isn't it? Like if they bring out a new line of BCDs, they'll say, it's a good way of getting instant feedback on... Yeah, what? that's generally a little late by then because mm-hmm. don't forget they press the button and they're busy manufacturing it. But it might be that something they feed forward. Um, I know, for instance, that DiveRite has evolved their sidemite system over the years um, because one, they're side mount divers and they, they they're proper cave explorers. But two, they've had feedback back, and so they've gently tweaked because they do short runs. They can tweak their equipment. Um, some manufacturers they're doing big runs of it, you know, ten thousand. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Um, so another equipment question, um, fins. I don't know whether to try split fins. What do you think? So it might be worth explaining the difference between split fins and normal fins. Okay, so there was quite a fashion in about 2000 for split wings, split fins, and it's called nature's wing. And it's where there's a big split up the um, fin. And the idea is that as you're going along, it it acts kind of like a fishtail. And there are very, it's very definitely a Marmite question, what you've asked. And you'll have two camps of people and some people go, they're amazing and wonderful and lovely. And the other camp go, you've got to be joking. Yeah. Um, I've dived with both. Um, I tend nowadays to dive with... um, solid fins but i have dived with both um if they're comfy if they fit if they work if they do the job that you want them to do your choice mm-hmm. i i would advocate strongly with fins that you do look after them you know if you you fit spring straps to them um generally you've got um you, you it hooks around the lug and so you're, you're just pulling the bungee or the, the spring to put them on and off. Yeah. However, if you've got old fashioned um, rubber straps and things, always, 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 as soon as you take them off, clip them back together again. Right. Don't leave them in bits. Don't leave them with a buckle there and my strap here. This is because the buckly bit, it's ever so easy, especially in a boat with vibrations, the buckly bit can fall off and it can get broken, lost, washed overboard. Um, and also the little lugs coming for the buckle on your rubber strap. Somebody can stamp on, stand, stand on one quite easily, or you can drop a weight belt on it. Yeah. It may snap off. And you've just ruined your fin strap, and you might be on a liverboard out in the middle of nowhere, and you've now got a damaged fin strap that you can't fasten up, all for the sake of 10 seconds of just fastening it back up again. Mm-hmm. So good kit husbandry, just get into the, the habit of when you take your fins off, always clip them home afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Or fit bungee um straps, I guess. Or fit bungee. Yeah, because Ian put them on mine and yeah, they're just so easy, aren't they? And on the boat we were on, I saw there's another girl, same fins, but she'd still got the straps on. And it was just like, you know, you're adjusting them to get them on. And yeah, it just seems more hassle than it depends um what you do so when i was diving with straps every day um what you can do is you decide which are your inside fins which which, which, you 
of course, you can put money aside. <laughs> um, but when you go to, to put your fin on, you've got your fins pretty much adjusted where you want it to be. So you hold onto a fin, you loosen one side of a fin strap, you put your foot in, and when you're doing your figure of four, you're pulling that fin strap tight on the inside. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. not the outside of your foot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you, you, you stand, you know, you've got your figure of... Let me... So you've got your figure of four. Yeah. Okay, you put your fin strap on. This is the side, the inside bit of your foot where you would loosen off the fin strap. So that you pop it on and then you just tighten that bit mm. on the inside of your foot. If you try and tighten it on the outside of your foot, it's really awkward. Right. Yeah, unbalanced. But when you've just literally slid on your fin and then you can just gently tighten it there, it's mm. dead easy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's the bit I would unclip and I would clip, which is on the inside when you're fitting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, always just, just tidy up your fins. And then, you know, you take your fins off, you clip them home, you take your mask off, you pop it in your fin pocket, and then you pop it in your box, you put it up on the shelf, you put it where it needs to be. Yeah. But your mask, your mask is protected, your fins are sorted. It's just good, basic husbandry. I've read... Um... By I read something that somebody had wrote about uh, written about split fins, and they said that they had found they were really good swimming in currents. Right. So if they come across and they were in a current, they felt they had more power with a split fin um, to swim against a current. I don't know if that's been recognised or anything like that. Is a thing. Um, there is an awful lot of advertising around that area at the turn of century. I will dive in currents and I use unsplit fins. Right. But again, beg, borrow, steal fins. Try them, I guess. Yeah. Try them out. Yeah. Try them out <laughs> in situations. Find what you like. Find what fits. Find what's comfy. Find what works for you. Find what works with your buoyancy. Yeah, I've got some um, uh, RK3s, um, Apex, uh, which I've used for dive master stuff because they're just like bulletproof. Yes. Stand on them. You can, when you're in a hurry, you can whack them against the st stones and haul on the, the spring clip and stuff, and they get chucked about and stuff, and uh, they are bulletproof. But when I'm pleasure diving, I've got some uh, accelerating force fins, yeah. which I love. Um, and they are, you know, really great. But if, if you know you're going to be in a dive where there's currents, you can move the teeth accordingly. Whiskers. Whiskers, yeah, sorry. To, uh, move them accordingly, which is quite good. But I never knew, yeah, but I never knew until a bit later on uh, when, you know, um, we, I was diving with Matt River, you know, who's a friend of the podcast and what have you. Um, he showed a video of me diving in NDAC and I was going through the aircraft fuselage they've got there and I was going through and I never realised how much they curl, that when you kick and you do like frog kick or whatever, how much they curl and they really do curl like. Force fins are an exceptional fin. Bob Evans is a very clever designer. 
Um, unfortunately, you stop making four spins now. Yeah. These are very special, very limited edition fins. And he uh, he showed me a prototype years ago that looked like a dragon's tail, which was a four spin. Yeah. And it was very long with kind of a ball on the end. Um, and I played with one of those in a pool at a, a trade show in America. And that was, I never got to dive it, but you, he said, you know, have a look at this, how it works in the water. Um, yeah, four spins are, are an exceptional fin, and I've got a pair. Um, I haven't got the ones that you've got. Um, I bought mine off eBay. They were secondhand, um, and I think they were – I don't – whether the person realised how much they were, because I bought them for actually a fraction um, for what their actual costs are, because they're like uh, about $400 or something. Yeah, something like that. You know, um, and I paid nowhere near that. And um, But I have to say that they are awesome. Uh, brilliant fins, and, and uh, I know a couple of other people have got them and swear, but they can be a bit, a bit of a mustard fin that some people either really like them or some people have tried them and then just don't like them. At yeah, all. it's a marmite fin again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I am diving planar avantes most of the time. Morris planar avantes. Most dive pros will dive planar avantes. They're big workhorses. If you've got spindly little legs, don't buy planar avantes you'll suffer from bad cramp if you've got big legs you've got muscles they're good fins they're good workhorse fins they last forever you can power up your legs you can really motor if you need to yeah um you don't have to kick hard to get through the water they are a bomb proof fin and the design really hasn't changed that much yeah. and going backwards i find easy easier with those fins on with the rk3s i kind of struggle but for some reason with those uh force fins it's just you know it's brilliant i love them <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a girl i've got something like six or seven pairs of fins that i play with you know there's nothing wrong with if you want to buy another pair of fins yeah. to play with do enjoy yeah. yeah but also if you can get busy with your mates and swap and, and try them out in different dives. It's a good idea. Have to try your force fins then. Probably a bit, a bit too. It might be a bit big for me. What size shoe are you? Six. Yeah, but these, well, these are for size 10. You probably could put something in, I suppose, to have a little poodle about on the on the shelf at Stoney or something like that. Yeah, and that's a good thing. Do, do something like a poodle about somewhere like Stoney because you don't want to do a big proper grown-up dive with things that you are not you know how no, no. borrowed in you're not familiar with yeah. any new equipment as well as it's even yes. like I'm, you know i've got i've brought a spare mask but i haven't used it yet because i just don't want to you know that is a stony code thing to try that mask out isn't it it's just, yeah well, it's the good thing about somewhere like that because you've got a big area of like six meters tops that you can go in and try a new piece of kit out without thinking right oh, i've got you know you've got huge depth here to get in trouble with you just got you know you can just go in and have a poodle about and say yeah, right the play pens are very useful for that yes. exceptionally useful for that yeah because yeah, even you know new diver trying new bits of equipment it's quite a daunting thing because if you it's say come with your fins in your mouth it's definitely stress inducing mm. which is why if you can introduce one piece of new equipment at the time do uh, so up at so up at Shetland. First couple of dives, I didn't take a camera with me. 
I just got in and I swam around and I dived and I didn't bother adding the extra stress of taking a, a camera with me because I just wanted to, to get back into diving again. Yeah, that follows well into our next question, doesn't it? Which is? Well, um, what's the best way of mounting a camera underwater? But another new diver has also said they've got a GoPro. How would you recommend I start using this when I dive? So do you hold it or do you mount it? So that's kind of a new divery question. And then obviously a more. I've seen GoPros mounted in so many different ways. I've seen them on sticks. I've seen them on a mask. Um, I've seen them on a tray, uh, which is... Um, uh, a flat piece with two handles. Um, play, find find other divers who use ghost pros and say, what do you do? How do you do it? What do you find? Um, and have a discussion. Yeah, yeah. Because both... what might suit you know me putting it on my head might suit me. It might not necessarily suit you. Mm. Yeah. And there are an awful lot of different mounts with GoPro these days than the adventure cameras. Um, I've been dying parallels, parallels, and I had it on a stick, and then I stuck it on my mast strap. And I have to say, I much prefer it on my mast strap because I can just forget about it. I did, can... did you find when that's on your mast strap um, that you were getting the exhaust bubbles, and you get a little bit of shake when you when you got the exhaust bubbles come up? Not too much, no. No, because you you've got the, the quita Ian wore on his mask the first couple of dives or first dive. Dave died. I found that, um, yes, yeah, so the, the exhaust bubbles were coming up and hitting it, and then it was doing like a shake. Yeah. But I don't know whether that was maybe, is it, is it too far forward or, not, or it should have been further back? What rig are you diving? What, sorry? What regulator are you diving? Uh, just an apex. Right, okay. So it will be exhausting and, both sides of the T, won't it? Yeah. yeah. Um. I don't know, maybe change the position slightly, maybe forward, maybe back back a bit more. Yeah. But you found it was making your mask leak a bit, didn't you? Yeah, it did a little bit. I think because it's a bit more heavier. Um, yeah, got... mine, mine did actually start leaking to begin with, and I had to reposition my mask Yeah, on one of the dives. Mm -hmm. I, I, so I've gone to using their pistol grip, and they do a pistol grip for it as well. So, and I've gone to using that and I found that to be quite good because you can actually see where you're pointing and shooting. And I found that to be quite good. Okay. Um, so, so I'm sort of just trying to see what works. But talking about Gemma, um, Gemma done the right thing as well. You know, by when you first started diving at the farms, you you didn't use your GoPro at all, did you? No, well, no. Last day, was it? You... Yeah, it was the last day I put it on, yeah. yeah. So I literally had it on a wrist mount and then you can twizzle it around. But that wasn't great because the footage is quite shaky. So... Hosey. Yeah, so I think next time maybe I'll just put it on a retractable and then you can turn it on and off when you want to use it rather than have it on all the time. So... But that's a very sensible thing to do is just start introducing new bits of kit slowly. Yeah. Um, so but you're not overloaded task loaded yeah because like dives like stony i just couldn't even think about things <laughs> it's you know it's, it's, it's a new thing even having a dive computer that was like proper dive computer on now so even getting used to that is another introduction into getting yes. better forward yeah but 
it's great, isn't it? After six dives, it, it, you just feel a bit more comfy and you're getting in a routine of you know, checking and and it's muscle memory. So you get my kit up towards the end of the week was far slicker, quicker, faster than the beginning of the week. My first dive of the week, I was underweighted. I was all over the place. My delayed SMB deployment was just nasty. You know, <laughs> it was just an ugly dive. Yeah. And then you get settled back into it again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, SMB, I've not really, we've done practices, haven't we? But yeah. dive one, I got in the, I dived off, jumped off the boat and then it unreeled. And then the second time it unreeled and you think, but it was done up properly. <laughs> just like, yeah. But it's all a learning curve, isn't it? It's just, yeah. yeah. Yes, very much so. The learning curve and just, just think, right, don't get stressed by it. It's fine, you know, in just... So um, a destination for you to look at, I'm, I'm up here at the moment, is Shetland. Mm, yes. I've been up here for a week. I came up diving with Helen and Hazel. They run Valkyrie and Valhalla. Um, and I got the ferry out of Aberdeen um, and came up here. And this is more like the Falklands than Orkney. Really? Yeah. And it's you've got these amazing big rolling hills, not very many trees, wind, sheep, a lot of water. Um, you have got Viking influences here because they're more Viking than Scottish. Mm-hmm. So you've got um, um, ancient stone houses and stone settlements in places. Um Big white, I went yesterday, I was showing a big white sandy beach. Yeah. Um, and the water was kind of almost carabini blue. It was that special aquamarine colour. They've got seals up here. Yeah. Um, what sort of water really, temperature is it? We were diving in 13 degrees. Same as us then, yeah. Yeah. So it was reasonably warm, 13 degrees centigrade, dry suits, obviously. And you come out and you get handed, you have a choice of a drink when you come out. <laughs> and I was being given these big mugs of steaming hot chocolate with squirted cream on top but yes can i just say you said obviously no because i was in a semi-dry in 13 degrees perfectly warm um no i meant 13 degrees centigrade well 13 degrees fahrenheit what well, you have an international audience yeah so 13 degrees centigrade was yeah it? Whatever that is in Fahrenheit. What's that in Fahrenheit? Four something? Um, Four five? Yeah, roughly. Yeah. Yeah, but, well, I, I didn't brave it because I thought, no, it was too much to take on. But Ian did the right thing for the team. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, out of two dive boats, I was the only one in a uh, wetsuit. And, uh, and I was thinking, mm, have I done the right thing? And uh, But honestly, I was warm I, I was i was not i probably didn't weren't as deep as you were going um i think our deepest i think the whole time was about 12 meters 14.8 i think it was right so it's going to be warmer on the surface than it is at depth mm. um and provided you've got like a very good windproof coat and stuff when you come out protection so that you are not in the wind coming back yeah and having your call called because you need to think about things like that yeah, yeah. um Modern wetsuit semi-dries are, are very good these days, but I've done four years in a wetsuit, saving up to buy a dry suit, and I've gibbered 
on a lot of diving and yeah. save up for my first dry suit. So I, uh, I much prefer dry suit diving <laughs> in this country. Um, there's a, there's a, um, he's retired now. He was uh, a military um, inspector and he looked after Horsey Island and I did actually dive in Horsey. I was teaching in Horsey years ago in the summer and I thought oh, it's a lovely day I'm going to use my wetsuit instead and he laughed at me when I rolled in I was like oh, I'll be fine Mark I'll be absolutely fine and I absolutely gibbered that day and he took mm-hmm. pity on me and fed me about four mugs of hot chocolate between all my dives when I was teaching because I turned myself inside out with cold <laughs> and I'm not doing that one again no no it was good though I, I, I totally enjoyed the freedom um I didn't brave it on the second day because I went to my dry my onesie that you wear underneath it, and that was still wet. And I thought mm, I, I'm going to be wet from the start, so I thought I'll leave that to the second. So I was on my dry suit on the second day, and then back in the, on the third day, yeah. Dry, the third Climbing day. into a wet wet suit in the wind and the cold yeah. is not really fun. No, so that's why I thought I'd leave that one for the yeah. second. Let it dry out a bit. I was amazed on the dive boat because I, I kept my um, dry suit completely on, zipped up all the time. But there were people in between dives. They just like took it off and they just got their braces on. And I'm thinking, how can you be warm enough? Yeah, it's a difficult, that's an interesting one as well. And it's also a safety point because if you're, depending on what kind of boat you're on, if you're on a rib, you really ought to stay zipped up the mm. entire time. Yeah. Because if you go over and you've got your suit half on, that's not particularly safe. No. No, 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 no. So, and it's just, yeah, more time to kit up again and get yourself back in. So. And it's quite windy. There's quite a bit of spray, weren't there? So we got, mm. we got kitted up, zipped in and ready to go. Yeah. Ready for action. Yeah. I'm yeah. glad you had a nice time in the farms. Yeah. Can't wait to go again. <laughs> just... <laughs> I think, and having six consecutive dives over three days, just by the last day, you just... It consolidates your skills. Yeah, it just, and I wore a heart, uh, like my zone monitor, and like the first day it's here, then it goes down a bit, and then it goes down a bit, and you can just see, yeah, just, well, you know what to expect, don't you? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So up here we've had, uh, we dived a little toy boat. It was actually a, it was actually a trawler. Um, and you swim around it about four or five times. Um, and I saw butterfish, oh, wow. which looked like little eels. Mm. Um, the amount of life on it was extraordinary. It was laid out on white sand. It was upright. But this was, what, 15, 20 metres. It was, it was mind-blowing. Um, so that was very nice. We dived a submarine called the E-49. And that, again, was laid out on white sand. And that went down with all hands. Um, yeah, and you you can see the con, you can see the the, the periscope. Um, World War one, or was that first? It was, uh, I think it was Second World War. Yeah. Um, and it was Germans. Uh, the Germans did the forty nine. Um, she uh, was an E class. She was built at Swan Hunter. So she was British built. She was built in February 15, commissioned in 14th, December 16. And she, oh, so it was first of all, she's mined off of Shetland Islands on the 12th of March 17. 
and it was laid by a German U-boat um, and there were no survivors. And she's, she is um, on quite a dynamic site because depending on the weather will depend on how the sand is moved across the site. So if you dive it on an annual basis, you can see changes mm. and she's covered in life. Um, and that was an extraordinary dive as well. We did a couple of dives on her. Um, and the Helen and Hazel have got a poppy on her, which is quite nice. You go down the shop, there's this big poppy at the bottom of the shot. So, and there's a memorial to her up on the mainland mm. um, as well. So she's not forgotten and the men on her are not forgotten. So diving in Shetland, is that good for quite new divers without advanced open? So open, just standard open waters? I wouldn't with open water. Mm. I would a sport diver um or um paddy advanced yeah and with some dives under your belt but we have a range of abilities on the boat and we had um people who were on single cylinders going in who'd done a, a fair amount of quarry diving but no sea diving um and that was good because they learned how to get off boats and go down shops and come up shops and discover current and tides and stuff like that and some of the dives are pick your own depth. There's a there's a site called Giant Leg, um, and that is like St Kilda. And um, you go down. I we dropped down. I was diving with um, a guy who was really experienced and really good, and we dropped down. And there was a seal being cheeky and waiting for uh, and and kind of circled us. He didn't see the seal at all. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, seal, hello. Seal said hello and left. But we had things like um, daily anemones down there, and they were absolutely crammed into every single crevice you could find. Yeah. We had jewel anemones down there. We had dead men's fingers. We had um, <coughs> other anemones. And the, the seabed, you could see, had a lot of water going over it because it had big rocks, but they'd been tumbled and rolled. Yeah, wow. Um, so they were more egg-shaped. And so you had an egg shape from the size of you know, probably an ostrich to, if you think about an elephant laying eggs, um, you know, massive, great big egg, huge yeah. egg-shaped boulders down there. Uh, and there were nudibranchs down there, um, which were spectacular, lovely little um, um, underwater slug things. Um, and they come in a variety of colors and sticky up bits and they're, they're difficult to spot. When you, when you get your eye and you start spotting nudibranchs, um, that really can can send you diving up another level. And there's a big sea cave that you can mooch into. Um, and there were heaps. It was like somebody had been spooning out dollops of starfish. And they were in heaps in this sea cave. Mm -hmm. So um, they were probably there for sex, we think, rather than food, because right. we did see odd bits of bone of fish, but we think it was more that. Um, and when you turn around, instead of having a blue window to come out to, there was this slate grey window that you 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 came out to but it was it was a pick your own depth dive yeah so if you've done your advance and you want to do a shallow 12 15 meter dive you can do that i wouldn't go and dive shetland as another open water diver mm. i'd definitely have some dives under your belt definitely be competent in your own kit and a sense and decents and stuff like that mm -hmm. um because you're coming up shots or you're using a delayed smb or you're coming up walls um, but really, really proper, top-class British diving. It just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. The light level, the watercolour, the visibility. Yeah. So how long did it take you to drive from Essex to Aberdeen? 
So it took me 12 hours to drive up to Edinburgh because somebody said, go up the A1M, you'll be fine. And I got kicked off the A1M um, about five times because they kept on closing it. Yeah. So the next time I'm going up the M6 uh, and uh, I stayed in Edinburgh overnight. And when I drove up to um, Aberdeen and that took a couple of hours mm. and North Link ferries are awesome. Absolutely top company, really helpful Brilliant staff, kind staff, easy to book. Um, so if you're not taking your car over and you use Northlink to go to Shetland or Orkney, you book a scuba trailer, you book a, book a dive trailer. Um, you've been on aeroplanes, haven't you? And you've seen the cargo being towed around in a little trolley thing. Bins. Yeah, you, well, you book one of those and they're free and you lob all your dive gear in that and then they'll trail it onto the boat. And when you get to the other end, they trail it off and you get your stuff out of it. Right. And that's a really easy way of doing it. Mm. Um, and uh, then got on the ferry, found a pod, slept in there all night, um, and then got picked up next morning. And it's a, it's a great way of diving up in Shetland and Orkney. Mm. Yeah, so did you, did you have to take your own tanks or do you hire gear? So I took my own stuff, but you can hire it. Mm. Just book it in advance with, with your liverboard provider. So Helen and Hazel have got everything. So they've got stages, they've got single sets, they've got twin sets, they've got rebreather bottles. So book what you need. Um, I took my own lead, there's spare lead on the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you, you know, you, you, I just took all my kit with me. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I do as well. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Oh, well, it's good to hear about another destination. We've obviously spoken to um, Elizabeth in Orkney about. Yeah. Her liverboard, um, but her liverboard. So you, Elizabeth, um, Emily, Emily, Turner. Emily runs Huskian. Huskian, yeah. yeah. So there's three female skippers up in um, in Orkney at the moment. So there's Emily on Huskian, Hazel on Valkyrie, uh, sorry Valhalla, and Helen on Valkyrie. Mm, that's good. Women are in. Um, and then there's some um, other skippers. You know, there's. There are male skippers up there as well. Um, Emily um, does very good dive briefings. Um, she led an expedition to uh, survey Hampshire um, and did a really good, did a very good wreck survey on that. And you, it's available online. You can download it and you can look at it. And it's a great way of learning about how the ship blew apart and what it looks like today and what it looked like now. Um, and it's a good idea if you're into wreck diving, if you go and look at surveys, things like the Hampshire, yeah. because when you get on a wreck, you can start spotting blobs of metal and realise, oh, that was a so-and-so, so that's where I am on this wreck. Mm. And it just helps get more out of your wreck diving. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I've dived off a boat. Yeah. So your liverboard, you actually stayed on board, you didn't come yeah, back to shore. Mm. Yeah, Yeah. Slept on board, ate on board, showers, slept, videos, all sorts. So very comfy, Um, good basic food. You never, never go hungry on um, Helen Hazel's boats. Yeah, that's good. Is the um, water, did you find the water is more um, salty up there? Is it more, um, because like the water at sea houses is more buoyant than it is down here. So is it further up you go, is it more salty, the salinity, is it more? I wouldn't like to say. Okay. 
You didn't find you had to put any more lead on? I did have to put more lead on because I was coming from fresh water diving into salt water diving. Yeah. Right, okay. Yes. So whenever you move from fresh to salt, you always have to put on more lead. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the place that I know is more buoyant is the Red Sea. And that's because it's pretty much an enclosed sea. Yes, you've got an entrance at Suez and Aqaba, um, but you, um, you, you sorry, uh, Aden, is it? It's at the bottom anyway, but you've got two narrow entrances, but you're surrounded by desert. There's an awful lot of wind. You get evaporation. So the Red Sea is um, more salty than, than normal seas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely have to put on another couple of kilos in salt water. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, but I would say that round Orkney and Shetland is more salt than, say, out of pool. But mm. yes, if you're moving from freshwater to salt water, you always have to add a bit of lead. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, we'll put the links in um, on the show notes. It'll be interesting for people to look at as another UK dive destination. Yes, it's, it's one which is limited because the girls come up here for about six or eight weeks. Um, and there's Bob, I think, on the Halton that comes up here occasionally as well. So access to Shetland is limited, very limited. Um, so if you definitely want to come here, you've got to book up yeah. really early. This trip was meant to happen last year, and I think I booked it two years previously. Wow. Yeah. Get a space. That's why so, I really said, uh, you know, they're really, really busy. Whereas Orkney is easier to get to, and also easier to get onto one of the boats as well. But again, if we don't use our skippers, I was thinking about it when I was on the way up here. You know, Harry Slater, we've lost. Jem Marine, we've lost. Laura Mediator, we've lost. Doyle Watch, we've lost. Maureen of Dart, we've lost. Um, and I'm not even really thinking if that's five liverboards that I can instantly come up with that we, we've, we've lost. If we don't lose our, use our skippers, if we don't use our hardboat skippers, and if we don't use our liverboard skippers, they're going to just go. Yeah, Salute. You know, this time three years ago, I was in Normandy diving off a Salute. Yeah, really good liverboard, great food. That's now gone. Yeah. So you can't do a liverboard to Normandy as far as I'm aware anymore, which is a shame. It's a shame, yeah, especially Normandy. Um, the guy who ran the rib at Sea Houses, he's not, no longer no. going either. Um, packed it in it yeah. that was always the alternative for people who want to go up so for Christ's sakes if you want to dive off the British coasts book your skippers use your skippers yeah um, and you'll, you'll be in for some amazing diving we've got some of the best diving in the world yes it's cold but we've got fantastic thermal underwear we've got great dry suits yeah yeah, yeah and I think you know everybody's got to realize that even on the south coast as well i saw some pictures of swanage pier the other day and that looks like amazing it's just it is um there's some really awesome alison pettit is doing some fantastic photos at the moment underneath swanage pier mm -hmm. yeah um, so said that'd be another it, great place to go and try and it's a lovely way of introducing divers to british sea diving yeah yeah, yeah for to see life in the sea compared to like stony cove it's just on another level and you think yeah and it's, you know, it distracts you as well, which is good rather than just looking at wet rocks. Things, um, you know, there's other sites, obviously, but, you know, it's a great training facility, isn't it? And that's what it is. And you go yeah. to train, you practice, so you can then go either abroad. Pond diving. Yeah, 
and do see all this, the seals and see all the, the fun stuff and things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's if anybody's like being a bit cautious about UK diving, just say, yeah, it's accessible to every level of diver as well, depending on where you go. Yeah, it's almost very yes. And also who you're diving with. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And what skipper you've got as well, because, you know, we can't praise our skipper at the Farn Islands highly enough. He was just fat, wasn't he? You are. There are skippers and there are skippers. Mm. And, you know, I've dived with Helen and Hazel a few times and they are good skippers. Yeah. Emily also, they're good skippers, they're competent skippers. They can yeah. drive a boat, so you can shot wrecks. They know how to pick up divers. They know how to drop you in. Yeah. yeah. It's all about confidence, especially if you've not been used to it. You've then got confidence in that skipper and the way the boat runs and you're briefed and you, you know what to expect then and it's not such a daunting thing about you know going up in the lift on the back of the boat in you know choppy conditions so it should all be fun yeah lifts are easy you want to do a ladder in choppy seas <laughs> <laughs> i like lifts <laughs> Ian was telling me about ribs yesterday, and I'm thinking, hmm. It's fun. I like, I like going off a off a rib. It's good fun. Going ribs in, are excellent uh, diving. Going in negatively. They're 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 they're, they're, they're great fun being blatted across, but you know you're bouncing across the waves off to a. It's a real gee whiz ride going yeah. out, but you've got to be suited up. You've got to have your kit stashed. You've got to have it in the right place in the boat. You've got to hang on. You've got to listen to the cocks. I'd say, in fact, the funner is getting back on, you know, how you haul yourself on. Well, it's dead easy. You hang up, you turn up, you hang on, you go, right, are you okay? Right, fine. And you start, you, you make sure you've got a dedicated person to look after you. You make sure you hold on to the rib with one hand or they hold on to you. You take your weight belt off, you hand up and you get all your weights on board. And then what you'll do is you'll start unclipping your jacket or your BC, um, keep your egg in your mouth and what you do is you spin your unit um, so that you keep your egg in your mouth so you're not pulling your egg out your mouth you spin it around your right shoulder so you're still breathing on your hose and they've got a firm hold of it and then you, you there's like a three two one and you help push up your your scuba unit onto the rib and it gets hauled in and it gets turned off and it gets put on one side and stashed and then you ask for permission to come on board. And then you basically hold on to the, the side and you kind of dunk yourself and you sort of go down and fin up, go down, fin up, go down and fin up. And sort of the third thing, you kind of launch yourself over the, the, the seals, uh, the, 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 the sides. You can look like a fat seal doing it. Um, and you do get hauled in by the others and you kind of lie on the tubes and you have your fins taken off at that point. Yeah. And when you slide in, you take your mask off, you put your mask into your fin pockets, clip them home, get them stashed as well. And then you clear the area and you're either then helping in the next diver mm. or you're sitting out the way yeah. or you're kit wrangling. But it's very much a team thing. Everybody looks after everybody. Yeah, and that's a good thing about, you know, a dive boat, liverboard. It is all team, all hands on deck, really, isn't it? The good thing about liverboard is you get a chance to do many firsts. You know, the first time I went to the Red Sea, it was the first time diving off a rib, first time going in negatively, going first time in a drift. There are so many firsts that I wouldn't have probably got to do if I hadn't gone on a liverboard. 
So yeah, it's good. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so good to hear that we've all been sea diving then. Yeah. 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 Can't wait to go again. <laughs> we might be going Friday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, if the um, weather conditions are right off North Norfolk, so off the Rosalie wreck, that'd be great. Now, I've heard that North Norfolk is good um, from Andy Rose, and I really need to go, and Chris, of course, at Crystal Sea Scuba, raves about it as well. So I really ought to um, come and dive off the North Norfolk coast. Yeah, There's been some amazing pictures. I think I sent you on Facebook, um, pic pictures taken this yesterday, wasn't it, or the day before? Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Good viz. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's just obviously a little window we've got while the weather's clear. Yeah, the window for diving here is not very, not very long, really. Yeah. So, but yeah, fingers crossed we get to go, and then we've got a few more other dates that Polly's put in. So, yeah. if we can get there, we will. Yeah. yeah, it's a very active dive center, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's good. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's really well organised trip as well to the farms, yeah. which is great. I, I like the fact that they do a lot of um, trips. They don't do just into the quarries, they do trips away. Yeah. And so you are diving off the British coasts. You're also diving overseas, but you're diving off the British coasts. Yeah. yeah. We, could have, we did think about going to uh, Brighton. I, I dived the Bright, Brighton one a couple of years ago, but they would all be in deep dives. And uh, so not really. No, not for me. So, um, so I'd let that go for this time. So uh, it was sort of like 20 meters plus. Yeah, so. Deep is relative. Yeah, but, but obviously I'm not advanced open water yet. So I need to stick within my limits. So. Yeah. yeah. But, but that will come. Yeah, hopefully we'll sort that out early part of next year. That, yeah. will, that will come. Mm. But it's good that it adds a paddy open water, the fact that you're toddling off to the farms and reaching around with the seals in the farms. And you've clearly seen you don't actually have to dive deep to have a really good time. No, no, no. That's, no. You know, Ian's always said that and it's absolutely, you know, I enjoyed it. St Abbs was great last September, but the Farn Islands was, yeah, really, really, really good. Well, St Abbs was like on your limit, weren't you? There were some mm. of the times we were like bordering the 18 metres uh dives where with farms you get that whole range you you can go that deep you can go even deeper if you really want to but you know you've you've got that full range where you can actually just go like four six meters and have loads of fun see loads of life see and 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 that's what a lot of people are on our boat you know um polly had briefed lee uh about the the uh the divers that they that he had on his boat and uh, he went to dives accordingly. You know, I, you weren't the only open water diver on the no, boat. No, no, and I think probably there were a couple more less experienced, you know, with less dives under their belt, which is, yeah. you know, great that they can then access that. There was a lady there. How I don't know how old she was. She must have been what late seventies. Yeah, she was. Yeah, quite a mature lady. Quite dive, didn't she? Mm. So um, she did the first dive, I think. Yeah, yeah, but it just shows. Yeah, all you know, even. If you're not that strong, you know, she had, she did have help kind of walking to the back of the boat, you know, Lee took the weight of the cylinder, but, you know, just the ability that people can have if they really want it. Yeah. They can have that experience of getting in the sea. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, that's yeah. been brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time again. You know, that's been brilliant. Yeah. Have you got any more dive trips planned? 
Um, somebody's dangling, oh God, somebody's dangling a farm's trip in front of me, I think. Um, and what else did they dangle in front of me? I think some abs. I've had, a, I've had a dive trip dangled in front of me in the last few days. Yeah. But I haven't really taken much notice of apart from, yes, that sounds interesting. Yes, I think I can make the dates. Yes, put me down for it. Um, I can't remember where it is, though. I'll worry about it when I get back home. Today, it's flat calm in Shetland. It's blue skies. Um, and we are going out exploring very shortly. Awesome. So yeah. When do you get home? Uh, about a week's time. All right. Oh, great. You've got plenty of time to yeah, explore and travel home. Yeah, I'm here for a couple of days left. Um, but yes, so uh, Shetland is unique and really quite wild and splendid and beautiful. And um, it's good for the soul. Excellent soul food. Yeah. yeah. Well, it sounds like it. Space and blue sky. It's great. Yes. Right. We'll take care of both. Yeah. yeah. It's great to see you. Thanks for your time. Thanks for dialing in. Yeah, yeah. holiday. Thank you. Yeah. Glad you will. All right. Thank you. Keep them going. Well done. Okay. Yeah, no, we will. <laughs> Good talk. All right. Enjoy the rest Thank of your time. Bye, dear. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We are not affiliated with any agency or organisation, and all opinions expressed in this episode are our own and those of our guests. If you wish to make any comments about this episode, then please do contact us via email or our social media platforms that are listed in the episode show notes. Alternatively, you can send us a message or voice message via WhatsApp on the Big Scuba Bat Phone. And the number is plus four four seven eight one zero 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 five nine two four. We will always respond promptly. And thank you once again for downloading this episode.